0: Amen. Thank you. Maybe see that some of us um, have heavy hearts over uh, watching the events uh, that occurred yesterday in our nation. And, uh, you know, maybe it was the same kind of feeling as uh, in Mark chapter 13. We've been doing a study of Mark uh, this week, going week by week, chapter by chapter. And when we come to chapter 13, it is just. It's the Tuesday before the crucifixion. Just three days before Jesus is crucified. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 13 today and ask this question. Is he worthy of walking with? Mark chapter 13, verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple, the temple in Jerusalem, of course, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher. What massive stones here in the the, uh, temple. What what a magnificent building it is. Now, Jesus had told his disciples that they were going to go to Jerusalem a few weeks before this, and they always got excited about going to Jerusalem. Uh, But he let them know that this wasn't going to be a pleasure trip, he told them that he was going to be arrested. He told them he was going to be crucified. Now, did they believe it? Well, apparently not. Because they there at the temple, they're, they're thinking about, oh, isn't this a beautiful building? Isn't this magnificent? And it was a magnificent building because Herod the Great had spent 40 years and spent billions of dollars making the temple magnificent. Uh, not to worship God, which was the purpose of the temple, but as a monument to himself. And it's hard for us to imagine a building like that. Uh, or Flavius Josephus was a, a Jewish historian. He lived in Jerusalem. He, he, he saw the temple every day of his life. And he described it this way. He said, that the exterior of the temple was covered with massive plates of gold, pure gold. He said that when the sun rose, that uh, it was, and in, in the sun's rays hit those massive plates of gold, he said it had a, quote, fiery splendor. And it was so brilliant that you could only look at it for a few seconds, much like, When we look at the sun, we have to, we can look at it for a few seconds, but we have to turn away. He said that's what the temple was like. He said when travelers crossed the Mount of Olives, which overlooked the city and overlooked the temple, as soon as they got over the crest and saw the temple, it looked like a mountain that was covered with snow and just shining in this brilliant sunlight. It even had sharp spikes on the roof. Why To prevent birds from, from uh, perching on the building and pooping all over it. Can you say pooping in church? I, if you can't, I'm sorry. But this temple, I mean, it was magnificent and it was, it was imposing too, because the stones of, the, of that temple, they were massive. Some of them were 68 feet long. Eight feet high. Nine feet thick. And, and you see the disciples, they thought th- the building wasn't just magnificent. It was indestructible. Who, who could destroy a building like that? So when Jesus said that to them, for in, what did Jesus say in verse 2? Do you see these great buildings here? These things that you're in awe of? I tell you, not one stone will be left on another every one of these stones will be thrown down and when jesus said that they were shocked it was just unthinkable to them that anything or anyone could destroy that temple with its stones that weighed as much as a hundred tons later that afternoon as jesus disciples they were still so troubled by what he said and As they sat on the Mount of Olives, and they're looking at the temple down below, they asked in verse 3, tell us, when's this going to happen? When are these things going to take place? Well, we know that it happened 40 years later. Just as Jesus said, in in AD 70, the Roman general Titus invaded Jerusalem, and he destroyed the city. And they built huge fires around the temple. Why? Stones don't burn. Why did they do that? Fires to melt the gold that, was, that overlaid these stones. And then the Roman soldiers, we read, they pried the stones apart to get the gold that had melted and, and run between the stones. It happened exactly as Jesus said, not one stone will be left upon another. Now, some of you may be thinking you've, you've seen pictures of the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall is what they like to call it. And you may be thinking, well, wait a minute. There, there are stones. They're still standing. They're still intact. Why? Because that was the wall that surrounded the temple. It wasn't the wall of the temple. The, the, the wall around the temple, it, that wasn't covered in gold. And then, so they didn't tear it down because there was no gold to be found. Friend, Jesus' prophecy... Fulfilled exactly as he said now why would God allow the pagan Roman empire to, that worshipped other gods why would almighty God allow a temple built to worship him to be destroyed like that because they weren't worshipping God anymore in that temple Because God had sent his one and only son to earth. And what did they do? They rejected him. They rejected him as their savior. They wanted wanted Jesus to drive out the Romans. They wanted Jesus to take away all their problems. But they didn't want Jesus to take away the pride. The sinful pleasure that we all struggle with. How true of us humans. You know, I think by and large we all want Jesus to take away our problems. But how many of us want him to take away our sin? We'd like to keep that. The temple was the most beautiful, cherished building in Jerusalem. And they didn't like Jesus saying that one day it was going to be thrown down. One day it was going to be Totally destroyed. But you know, as I thought about that, you know, friend, one day, everything that you have will be thrown down. Everything you have, everything you treasure, everything you possess, everything you use, earthly, will be thrown down. One day, your house, that house that you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on. One day it'll be a heap of rubble. The car you like, one day it's going to be a pile of melted metal. The money you have worked so hard to, to give uh, to earn and to save up all burned up. One day every you're going to lose every earthly, Wow, Ron, you sure know how to encourage people and get them excited. (laughs) Ron, don't you know that you should preach sermons that make people feel good? Well, I think it's more important that we preach sermons that Jesus said, isn't it? And we're going to get to the good news. We're going to get to the good news. But we've got to face realities. One day, you're going to lose everything you want What will you have then? Verse 3: is Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, Andrew, the others, they asked him privately, Tell us, Jesus, when's this going to happen? What will be the signs that they are all about to be fulfilled? I bet every one of us here, there have been times in our life when we wish we could predict the future. What would that be like if we could predict the future? You'd all go out and buy a lottery ticket this afternoon because you know the numbers for tomorrow, right? You'd invest in the right stocks, right? If you knew the future. Well, can we predict the future? No, we can't even predict the weather. Uh, the story is told of a, of a tribe of, South, uh, of Sioux, North American, North American natives. They, were, they lived in South Dakota. And uh, as fall approached, one day they went to their tribal chief, and they asked if it was going to be a cold winter. And he said, I'll get back to you. Well, when he was alone, he called the National Weather Service on his cell phone, and they were predicting a cold winter. So the chief went back to the tribe and said, it's going to be a cold winter. Start gathering firewood. But the weather remained unseasonably warm, and so they went to the chief again. Chief, what's the winter going to be like? And he well, he called the National Service, uh, Weather Service again, and he got the same answer. So he went back. He told him, keep gathering firewood. It's going to be a cold winter. When no cold came, they asked him a third time. So again, he called the National Weather Service. And this time, the meteorologist said this, Chief, now we know for certain that it's going to be one of the coldest winters on record. And the chief said, well, what makes you think that? And he said, because we've seen the members of the Sioux Tribe gathering firewood like crazy. <laughs> One is accurate as the other, all right? And is it something, even with all the latest computer mo- me- or, uh, uh, models, meteorologists still cannot forecast with certainty. And, and the, the more extended the forecast is, the greater the error, right? Okay. You know, you, you know, you may be 90% sure about today's 40 forecast. That 10-day forecast, forget it. All right? And friend, here's some of the good news. Jesus gives us the extended forecast. He tells us the ultimate and eternal future. And you're going to experience it. And you see, friend, Jesus wants you to know and believe there's not going to be any error. The the disciples said, tell us when these things will happen. What will be the sign that that all these things are about to be fulfilled? And you notice that Jesus didn't give them a date. All right. Now, why not? Let me ask you a question. When did you write the term paper that the professor told you about that would be due 2 months earlier? You waited. You waited till the last minute. You waited till you had to start and do it. Do it then. And friend, if Jesus had given you and me a date we wait until the last minute to do what we ought to do today and every day. So Jesus didn't give us a date, but he gave us the signs, okay? And I want to say something before we talk a little bit about these signs. Most prophecy in the Bible, okay, it has a dual fulfillment, okay? There is a There's part of that prophecy which relates to the people that he was speaking to right then, right there, okay? And so there was a a fulfillment that they experienced that we want. But there was a, a second layer of fulfillment that for you and for me that was going to be true for ages to come for Christ followers in the future. So... He gives them the signs, and some of these signs occurred in their lifetime. He told them that. He said, you're going to see some of these things before you die. But others are for us. Now, we're not going to read all the verses. There's a lot of detail in them. But let me just give you, let's just summarize the signs. In verses 1 and 4, he told them the temple was going to be destroyed. Was it? Was it? When you go to Jerusalem, did you see the temple? No, it's not going to be there until Jesus returns. Second thing, verses five to eight, Jesus said, "You need to watch out for deception." He says, "Watch out that no one what deceives you." Now, who is Jesus talking to? He was talking to his followers, okay? Now, if his followers, his disciples, I mean, who saw him face to face, who walked with him literally, physically. Now, if they could be deceived, is there any possibility that maybe you could be deceived also? Absolutely. There's all kinds of deceptions. There are false prophets. People claiming to be the Messiah. People claiming that this is the way to God when it's not. False prophets. Let no one deceive you by false pleasures. The world is going to tell you, hey, do this, man. You really enjoy it. No, you won't. If God forbids it, you won't. You will pay the price and suffer the consequences of false pleasures. Possessions. We think that money is going to satisfy. Getting more things, getting newer things, we think that's going to satisfy. It's like drinking salt water. The more you have, the thirstier you are. False possessions, all thrown down. We're going to lose every one of those earthly things. Every one. They'll all be burned up. Persecution, verse 9. He tells them, you're going to be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogue. Eleven of the twelve disciples experienced that very thing. They were rejected. The, the synagogue, the religious leaders, threw them out of the synagogue, punished them, persecuted them, beat them, and finally executed them. And we here in America, uh, we have not suffered persecution. But friend, there's more persecution of Christians than any other religion. There's more persecution of Christians in the world today than at any time of history. And it's going to increase. In verse 14, he said this, you're going to see the abomination They were going to see uh, pagans come in to the temple and offer uh, animal sacrifices on the altar. They were going to see all kinds of things. All right? And that was fulfilled in their lifetime. And you know, the abomination, it's it's very similar. It's speaking about the same thing as what we call blasphemy. What is blasphemy? It's... uh, Irreverence toward God. It is content, showing our contempt for Almighty God. It's using His name as a curse word. Have you heard God's name used as a curse word? Have you heard Jesus Christ used as a curse word? We're just thumbing our nose in the face of Almighty God. Blasphemy. Trying to remove God from public life telling god that his son jesus can't be mentioned in public places in schools in courthouses wherever what what are we doing showing our utter contempt for god and then throughout the chapter but especially in verses 24 to 25 he talks about the natural disasters that are going to increase earthquakes Tornadoes, hurricanes, fires, floods. And so Jesus mentions all these things that are going to... Have you seen any of those? Absolutely. And let me just say this, friend. There is no event that must occur before Jesus Christ comes again. He could come today. He could come today. Now, does a wise person prepare for the future? Absolutely, and they're not wise. They're fools. If we're wise, we're going to plan. We're going to prepare. We're going to live for the next great event, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 27. At that time, one day, Jesus said, people will see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven why is jesus christ coming back because he wants to come for you I mean, couldn't Jesus just do all these things, you know, at the right hand of God, sitting on the throne? Couldn't he do all those things just by thinking? Couldn't he move his Jesus joystick around and, and, and accomplish it all? Absolutely. Well, then why is he coming back? Because he wants to come back for you. He wants to come back for me. That's what he's saying. He's coming back to gather his elect, to... Get those who follow Jesus Christ. He's going to send his angels, gather the elect, those who follow Jesus. And notice, it doesn't mention him coming back to destroy Satan, to destroy demons, to destroy evil, to punish unbelievers. Why? Friend, there are two stages to the second coming. And stage one is Jesus Christ coming back for his own, to rescue those who, who are his followers. And then stage two, which is going to be three years later or seven years later, or we don't know, okay, can't say for sure, okay. But stage two, he's coming back to judge. He's coming back as the king to judge, to destroy evil, to establish his eternal kingdom. And friend, that's the good news, that God wants you to be a part of that. That Jesus Christ himself wants come for you. Jesus Christ died so that you could be in his heaven with him forever and ever and ever. And that's what it's all about. And that's the future. Well, when's he coming? In Luke chapter 12 verse 24, Jesus said this. He's coming when we least expect it. How many of you woke up this morning and the first thing you thought was, oh, Jesus might come today. You and I didn't do that, did we? That means a good, this is a good day for him to come. When we least expect it. When we least expect it. So what should we do? What's the response? Why is the Lord telling us? Why did the Lord tell his disciples this and telling you and me? Well, verse 33 tells us, he says, so watch, watch, watch. Yesterday I was driving and I had something on my mind. I wasn't paying much attention. Pulled up to a stop sign, probably doing one of those rolling stops, you know. All of a sudden I realized there was a car. And I slammed on the brakes. I almost hit that car. Could have been killed. I could have killed somebody else. It was almost like the Lord was saying, Ron, you need to watch. And we do need to watch when we drive, don't we? Well, how about watching for the most important thing that will occur in your future, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch. Watch. Last summer, we were watching California. It was being ravaged by wildfires. Remember? Remember watching the TV and seeing those fires? In Thousand Oaks, California, in Malibu, more than 200,000 people had to flee for their lives. They had to run or they were going to die. In the town of Paradise, California, The whole town burned. 95% of all the buildings, homes, everything was totally destroyed. And most people lost everything. Imagine losing everything. Imagine losing that house that you walked out of this morning. Didn't even think about it. Imagine losing the car that you drove and the cars in the garage that you left there. Imagine losing everything, everything you've worked so hard for, enjoy so much. It's going to happen. In Paradise, California, the hospitals had to eva- evacuate. And I remember seeing those pictures patients, many of them on gurneys or wheelchairs or whatever they could find. And they were loaded into ambulances and police cars and, and nurses put, them, put patients in their own car. Why? Because the, the wildfires were just racing toward them. Wendell Whitmore, a 62-year-old man who lived in paradise, he tried to drive out of the fires. This is what he said. There were flames to the left of me and flames to the right of me as I was trying to drive down the road. The flames were up in the trees. All the houses were on fire. The fire was three feet from my car. The rubber on my windows was around my windows was melting. I had to jump out of the car and run. Friend, do you know that God's Word says that one day the world that has rejected His Son Jesus will be destroyed by what? By fire. They'll be destroyed by fire. There's no more good left. I believe there's no more people who are going to accept Christ. And one day the world will be destroyed by fire. And friend, God doesn't lie. And just like Jesus told the disciples listen, not one stone's going to be left on another. Listen, disciples, in three days they're going to crucify me on a cross and they didn't believe it but it happened. Since God does not lie since Jesus told us what is going to happen should we take him seriously or not? We should follow Jesus today because he loves us and he wants to rescue those who follow him. One man who survived those California fires said this. We knew the day was going to come. He said the brush was dry. The forest had dead uh, dead trees. Old brush littered the forest floor. We thought we were ready. We thought we could get out in time. But the fire was too much. And many people think, well, you know, I'm going to get ready one day. But then it'll be too late. One day God's going to destroy this earth because it's so polluted. Not by plastic straws. The world's going to be polluted by sin. By pride. By thinking we don't need God. By trying to remove him and ignore him and dishonor him in our lives. And Jesus says, watch. Because it's going to happen in verse 36 jesus said wake up and just like i had to wake up yesterday when i was driving wake up wake up christ will come back suddenly he said in verse 36 do not let him find you what sleeping wake up we need to wake up and third we need to walk with jesus We're asking the question this morning, is he worthy of walking with? And what's to walk with someone? It's to know them intimately. It's to listen to them. Yesterday I was very discouraged. Uh, News, uh, uh, on the uh, TV. Discouraged about us as Christians. You know, I just feel like we Americans, Christians are so lukewarm. So wrapped up in other things so wrapped up in ourselves we're not telling others about Jesus we're not helping others I just I was really discouraged Donna came into the bedroom and said let's go for a walk I said I'm coming too and we walked and they encouraged me and we reminded each other, we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have a mission. Our life does matter. Things might be bad and get worse. But we serve the King of kings. And he is going to establish a perfect kingdom. And he wants us in and he's coming back for us. And until he does, we should do everything possible we can to help others find him too. We should be walking with Jesus. Every day. Every day walking with Jesus, realizing he is right beside us, listening to him and doing his will. How do we walk with Jesus today? We do the things Jesus did. We put God first in our life and not last. We realize that God's eternal plan is far more important than our little petty plan or our possessions, or our pleasures, or our favorite sport, or our favorite hobby. We pray. We pray. We say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. We pray. We talk to God. We tell him we're thankful. We pray with others. We pray with our family. Don't you want them to go to heaven? It's important that families pray together. Spouses pray together. Parents, that you pray with your children. We pray. It's important that we pray as other Christians. Who Who do you pray with? What other Christians do you pray with in prayer meeting or in your small group? Who do you pray with? We care. We care about others, not just ourselves. It's so easy to get wrapped up in all the stuff going on in our life. I know you've got Tons of stuff to consume you. So many things going on in your life. But Jesus tells us to care about others too. And we care. And we help people in our community who are going through things like we are. And we help them. We get involved in, in ministries like the, the mentoring that we're going to talk about next week. And Uncommon Kids at, uh, at uh, Lakeview Elementary. And the Monday morning coffee that ministers to our neighbors and alliance kids and alliance youth we get involved in 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 things that help people find jesus because that's the most important thing of all and we tell others about jesus why because we don't want them to go to a crisis eternity we we, we ignore that stuff that it's politically incorrect It's spiritually correct. It's our mission. Be my witnesses. That's how we walk with Jesus. That's how we walk with Jesus. Is he worth it? He died on a cross for you and for me. He's worth it. He's coming back to rescue us from judgment and to take us to an eternal paradise that we don't deserve? Is he worth it? He is worth it. And friend, I would imagine that you want to go to heaven. I would imagine that that's true. And friend, I just say to this this to you in closing: if you want to walk with Jesus through heaven's gates one day, you need to walk with Him today. Because we don't know when he's coming back. We're to be ready. We're to walk with him now. Not put it off. Not say, I'll get ready one day soon. I'll give my life to Jesus one day. There's some of you here today. You haven't given your life to Jesus. You're just kind of ignoring it. Hoping it's going to work out okay. Uh, God says it isn't. Because he loves you. And that's why God brought you here today, so you'd accept him today, so you'd start following Jesus today. Some of us, we've gotten really lukewarm in our Christian life. We think, we think it's about our, we think it's about us. It's about him. That's what our life is about. Is he worthy? He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of you having a Personal, intimate relationship with and walking with Him every day. Let's pray. God, I I really can't imagine the anguish that Jesus had talking to His disciples that day. They were wrapped up in themselves. They didn't see what was ahead. And you tried to help them just like you're trying to help me today. To see what's ahead, to live for you instead of live for myself. And God, I thank you that you love us so much. You are worthy. You are worthy of walking with every day, of serving every day, of making a priority in our life, putting you first instead of last. Every day, God, you are worthy. And Father, help us to do that. And, and friends, while your head's bowed again, is Jesus coming back for you? Are you walking with him? That's why he came. So we'd walk with him today here on this earth and one day through the gates of heaven to be with him forever and ever. He's worthy. Father, help us all to make that commitment. Help those of us who asked you many years ago to be our Savior and Lord, help us to renew that commitment today and reorder our lives so that all the unimportant stuff doesn't squeeze you right out of our life, God. Because Jesus is worthy. And we want to serve Him. In His name we pray. Amen.